Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the Roman's Empire podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. And it's one of my favorite pods because we're going to talk some shit about Spurs. It's always fun when we do that. And I feel like uh, every time we play them, um, we win. Except for that one time I went in the last 30-something matches where Chelsea decided to lose. But I don't want to bring that story up. It comes up every time we record. It, it, this is this is like the same exact intro of the other two times we played them this month. <laughs> just this month. <laughs> it hasn't even been think, a full month. <laughs> it just makes me think about how I waited 25 years to watch Chelsea play in person and decided, hey, I'll go watch them play Spurs because we will win for sure. And we lose. But it's okay. We won today. I mean, we won last weekend, so I guess it kind of made up for it, but... Yeah, but uh, you guys know it's happened again. It's happened again. Tottenham Hotspur. It's happened again. I love that. <laughs> I love that chance so much. Like when you're up two goals to nil, like that's when they're singing the hardest for sure. So I love nice. it. Um. So I don't know, Zach. You didn't want to do intros of us, so that's why I just jumped in. But Andreas, <laughs> how are you doing, buddy? I'm great, man. Much better than when we recorded you and I last week. I'll tell you that much. Not even a week has passed since uh, we thought the season was was all falling down, and now it seems like we're contending again, right? No, anyone? Ace up his sleeve. Tuchel, yeah. Tuchel pulling out another solution to all our woes. It's taken Who would have thought? Enough. Who would have thought that Tommy Tuchel's a good coach? It, it's crazy. It's, it's, That's it's, a crazy thing. Go ahead, Andres. I mean, I hope – obviously, I believe he's a good coach. But I also feel like people could be like, well, he obviously just loves playing Tottenham. You know, in seven matches, he's beaten them every single time. But I'm obviously taking the piss. Like, he's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. No, but it's, it has taken him long enough to adapt. I, I still think he took too long. Like, he waited too long to, you know, change the system up. Finally, I mean, this this was the first time we really saw them play in this one four one, sorry four one four one formation. Um, but it it seemed like like when when the lineup came out, uh, I thought Cho was gonna play striker again, uh, with Lukaku, and I was just like, this is this is not like I'm I'm not watching this. I can't see this again. Um, but it was a four one four one. Keppa in goal, Thiago uh, and Rudiger as the center backs. Malong Sar returns at left back with uh, Bless Dave. Him. Yeah, and that, that's exactly what we said we wanted to see. Um, Jorginho, Kovacic, and Mount. Um, wait, how, how did they form? It was Jorginho and Kovacic in the middle, and then the outside we had Cho and Mount, and then Ziyech. And... No, 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 no. So it was it was Jorginho as a six. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm. And then Mount. I had a long day at work today. Oh, you have it written out literally right there, Zach. I, I don't know why I didn't see that. Um, but thanks for that. Um, so the team reaction since Brighton, it, it couldn't have been a better reaction. Um, 15 shots, 7 on target, 9 shots in the box, 10 corners. We only allowed three shots on target the whole match. A couple great saves by Keppa. Zach, what did you think about the team's reaction? 
It was it was exactly what I wanted. I thought energy wise, effort wise, even even though we didn't get the breakthrough in the first half, I thought we were showing enough life uh, to make me confident enough to go into that second half, which is more than what could be said for the last God knows how many matches since the beginning of November, really. Um, the team just seems to have this extra burst of energy when they know they're going to play Spurs. And I and, and on the flip side, I also think it's a psychological thing with Spurs coming to Stamford Bridge or even just playing Chelsea in general. There's some clear PTSD in the squad. Um, but yeah, overall, I'm very pleased with the reaction. I, I thought it couldn't have been better, actually. And what about the formation, Andres? What, what did you like from that 4-1-4-1? Everything. I loved everything. I, I mean, I, we spoke about how I thought the 4-2-2-2, either the players weren't doing the correct instruction or it just wasn't fitting how they like to play. Uh, I think, you know, I, I even tweeted after that match that we need to be focusing on the strengths of players and, and switching to a back four and, and, and figuring out how to get the best of your ZS, your Lukaku, your Mason Mount. And the 4-1-4-1 never came to mind to be completely honest, because I never thought Tuchel would have the balls, essentially, to play Jorginho as a lone six. But this system really, really highlighted what makes Mason Mount so great, what makes Ziyech so great. It even gives us flashbacks of, of the promise we've all seen in Cho. Uh, the back line looked secure. And even Lukaku looked far more involved. I I really enjoyed how wide both Ziyech and Cho were. One thing I, I referenced a lot with you in the Brighton match was that Ziyech was far too central. And when he gets into those central spaces, he doesn't have the, the time to look up and find those long balls that he loves or the space he needs. Because at the end of the day, Ziyech is not the fastest player on the pitch. So for him to be able to do that and on the opposite end, Cho be able to isolate pullbacks and just shake them off and spin away, they get to benefit from that. Mount, who likes to start from, from deep and, and force runs forward, got to do that as, a, as an 8-10 hybrid. Kovacic, who, who's a fantastic ball progressor, got to be a little bit further up the pitch than he's used to. But again, he facilitated space for others around him. And Lukaku got far more service, and he, I felt, had also a lot more help around him because usually it's just him and the two tens. With this formation, he had wide help where he could look for crosses, or if he looked to play as a target man, he quickly had someone like Mount or Kovacic ready to go. Or if he wanted to make the run in behind, he had four different midfielders behind him that can make the run. So for me, it just was perfect. I'm not sure if it's a matchup thing or if this is something that has been working on it for a while, but it was amazing to me. Sorry. I just went on a huge rant. No, you broke it down really well. Zach, did you want to add anything to it? Um, no, just a, I mean, one thing actually, just to touch on the Lukaku point. Um, yeah. He was getting more involved. I think, I think the team was actively trying to look for him. They were either trying to play the ball to feet really early in the buildup. Or what I noticed in the first half, which was kind of kind of frustrating for me, to be completely honest, every single time one of our wing players got the ball, we were only looking for the cross, which isn't necessarily the worst thing in the world. I mean, you want to get the guy the service he needs, but 
I think the difference with the team this time mentality-wise is that we were actively looking to get Lukaku involved as opposed to, you know, the last few matches is our build-up play, I mean, besides being lackluster, it just seemed like, all right, if Lukaku gets involved, he gets involved. Whereas this time, it seemed more like a focal point. Still not quite there yet, but at least it's a step in the right direction, like Andres said. What I really liked about having four guys in the midfield is that you saw a lot of decoy runs being made. And, uh, you know, the first Ziyech goal, that was set up by, a, I think, a Dave decoy run. Um, and a lot of people got open for, you know, open shots because, I mean, I, I got to give a lot of credit to Tuchel. I'm sure that that was a huge point in his uh, in, in this, this week's training. But uh, they really did a good job of that, and it got a lot of open shots. That's why we had 15 shots, seven on target. Um, we got a question. This one's from at CS Ronnie Ashworth, right? That's his name. Yeah. Ronnie Ashworth at CFC Ronnie. He said, "What is Conte doing at Spurs? I have no idea. Serial winner joins serial bottlers. It's it's kind of like what you know when a immove immovable ob- or what is it an unstoppable force meets an immovable object. It's like yeah. <laughs> the battle between Tottenham being shit and a manager being a serial winner." Uh, the, the the Tottenham force is just so strong that no one has been able to come in and change it. You know, you have some of the best managers of our lifetimes coming in with, uh, you know, Jose Mourinho with now, sorry, <laughs> Pochettino also, I think is, you know, for, you know, at his time he was a world-class manager and it just never happened. They never won. But um, I don't know. That was, that was their first loss in the league. Uh, under Conte so far, right? So yeah, I think I'm in game too. <laughs> yeah, so you got to give him credit at least for doing a good job. Um, they, so if far, if they but... win out, they still are ahead of us in the league. I mean, I don't think they mm. will win out the, their matches to to make up, but yeah, for for the squad he has, he's doing bits. the The thing is, the moment he plays, who Spurs think they're level with. In terms of the top four, you know, your Liverpool, your City, us, potentially Man United. That's where Conte realizes that he has a long way to go. The poor man is already in like second season at Chelsea press conference form. So defeated. And and, and he's already moaning, which I think is hilarious. Um, it's funny because the I, I watched both pressers with him and Tuchel after the match. And... Um, in the first Spurs match that we played a few weeks ago or a week ago, wherever it was, he basically had the same response uh, to his post-match comments. He said, I've talked to the board. They know what I need. And it's basically on them to get it. And then they interviewed him after this match, and he said the same thing. He said, I think it's very clear what this team needs. I mean, he started Tengi and Dembele at right back. Uh, Tengi and Dembele of PSG in, what, probably like 48 hours it'll probably be announced. So it kind of tells you everything you need to know about like where that team is at. But it's funny because one of the first things he said after we beat them the first time around was, okay, now there's levels to this. I, I really see how far back Chelsea are or, or how far back Spurs are compared to Chelsea's squad. And uh, to answer Ronnie's question, I mean, what is he doing there? I, I don't fucking know. I really have no idea. I think this was arguably the stupidest mistake he's made in his managerial <laughs> career because – 
basically, if if you want to burn and rot as a manager, you either go to Man United or Spurs. That's what you do, um, because they're the two hardest teams to fix right now, and they're 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 broken. I mean, Spurs have a striker that wants to leave. The Suns injured. They have no back line, no spine. Oliver Skip is their best center midfielder. It's all the way around. It's uh, it's pretty pathetic from them. But it's good to see. So <laughs> Oliver Skip is their best midfielder. <laughs> Listen, since Conte came in, all they've been talk, all the Spurs fans have been talking about is, wow, look how good Oliver Skip has looked. Like good old Oli on. Skip. <laughs> come on. When I see his name on the team sheet, I'm happy that he started. Yeah. As a Chelsea fan, so. Think about it also, the Barca job opened up after he already signed with Spurs, I'm pretty sure, right? Or I think Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. I think that's one of those things, just like the immovable force thing, Conte at Spurs would be like oil and water, you know? It's just, those two things do not go <laughs> together at all. Nothing surprising at all, completely. I knew exactly the way he would react, and it's been on point. We got another question. This one is from at Black Emoji. Zach, are we back in the title race? No. <laughs> no. Andreas, do you have a longer answer than that? Yes. Just keep it. I think I think I like Zach's answer. I'm with him. I, I like his too, but I can at least say that I feel confident to a uh, less stressful path to top four than the previous years. Yeah, it's 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 about the top four battle at this point. Uh, or we could still we could just win Champions League again. That's, it's that's annoying that it has to be about the top four battle, though. I think that's like the overarching theme of this season is we started out so well, and we looked like we were going to be right up there with City till the end. And yeah, I, I just think it's it's too big of a gap right now. I mean, City can't even lose matches; they're drawing them. So they drew South. Yeah, the worst yeah. they can do is draw Southampton. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I just want to say, here's the thing: if if we can get a good patch of health and we find a home in this formation, then I just don't see us going into the last match of the season for the third year in a row to get top four. That's what I'm. No, what I'm saying. I. I, I, I hope it'd be wrapped up with two or three matches to go. I want to see Harvey Vale start in the Premier League. <laughs> but here's the thing. You know, careful what you wish for, because that could just mean that everybody got hurt, Zach. No, yeah, no, 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 no. No, you get the point. In the same way where, you know, under the Mourinho years where – or not even the Mourinho years, but where, where we would comfortably get top four with four or five matches left and all we would be thinking about is, oh, I wonder if RLC is going to start. You know, I wonder if we're going to see a youth player. I think Who's I think it'll Baker. be much the same this year. I mean, we got Reese James and Trevor Chalaba coming back, so there's more options in the back line, and our attack looks like it's getting itself together. What's, so, what's the name of the kid who started against Chesterfield? Lewis Hall. Yeah, yeah. I want to see him back again. Like him. I want to see what he does in the Premier League. If that was apparently just a fluke or what? Apparently, he's a central midfielder. He is. Yeah, he can yeah. play wherever. He huh? plays left center mid. Mm-hmm. In a like a four three three, he's a box to box midfielder. I don't know. I'm happy with Sar left back. I am. I'm I'm happy again. He did a good job. Um, so what a story. Why, why the I don't know why the Guardian specifically said that Malong Sar would never start a left back again. I really didn't understand that, but looked good. I I, I do want to say one thing. I think shame on us for doubting him in the first place. Because 
not not just because he's a quality player, but because he has experience already for his age. What is he like, 22? And last season he made that Champions League run with Porto and started damn near every single game. So we know there's a player in there. I, I'm just I'm I'm happy he's kind of like coming to the forefront. And honestly, guys, I think I think we could trans uh, not transform him into not necessarily a full time left back, but I think he could be a mainstay there in terms of like squad rotation and just options. If we need somebody that's purely defensive, I really don't mind it. I think he's ahead of Alonso. Good because he can't play center back. Um, so <laughs> in a back four, yeah, <laughs> yeah, or in a back three. Honestly, he's next to Thiago um, Silva too. He's kind of dreadful, honestly. I, I, every time he played at center back, I had zero faith. Um, all right, so this next one. This one's from Ron, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Cool, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Deluxe, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Supreme. He asked, why hasn't Kai been playing lately? I think he would have done great today with the way the rest of the team was playing. Uh, I said this last episode when uh, the Brighton team sheet came out. The first thing I thought was, is Kai Havertz dead? And I asked the same question this week. Like, what? Where is he? I, I, last time we saw him, he, he was playing well, and all of a sudden he lost, you know, all playing time. He sent a risky text to Tuchel's wife. <laughs> he's, That's he it. Has, no, he, he's, I would never do anything like that. He's happy with his girlfriend, his dog, his, dog. his donkey, <laughs> all of his animals. Out. He's got everything he ever needs at home. I don't, really don't get why he's not playing. He was on the, the bench. Whole- the only logic is the the whole COVID thing. I mean, maybe what? he's just having like more after. Because let's not forget, the first time he had COVID, he got it pretty bad, and it took him a while to get back into fitness. So yeah. who knows? Maybe the second time he got it, it was you know some his symptoms were kind of bad. I mean, when I had COVID, even when I work out now, I'm still coughing. You know, whenever I have to breathe really hard. So there's a chance that maybe it could be affecting him in that way. But at the same time, I mean, who did we see him score against? It was Chesterfield, right, where he started? And he got Spurs. Like bundled, or Spurs, yeah, 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 where he broke his finger. I mean, he looked fine in that match up to that point. That's he's why he's our out. Best it's the broken finger. <laughs> I can, I can see <laughs> that. His keeper, yeah, maybe, but like, no, no, but no. that was all after that was all after he got COVID. Like, why is his right? Why is his cardio fine then, but now it's not? I'm not, I'm not sure, but I do agree that I think. You know, it's crazy because in a in a traditional four three three, like what we ran on with Lampard, I would never go back and play Kai Havertz as a as the eight, right? But in this four one four one, the way that Kovacic and Mount were so willing to make runs that broke through the uh, the Spurs back line, I think that's a space that Kai could really thrive in. Uh, and and to me, you know, Kovacic's limitation is that final third the production in the final third in terms of the scoring or, or feeling comfortable enough to shoot. I think that's something that Kai could bring in and potentially add to this formation. Maybe he would have to learn a little bit more of the defensive work, but if somebody like Ziyech can kill it defensively in this formation, I don't see why Kai couldn't. I mean, Hakeem Ziyech today or on Saturday I think he played in the first ten minutes. He played better football than he has in his last like five matches combined. Um, if you take out that worldy goal he scored last week, um, then you add another one in from this week. Um, that and this one was even better than the last. Uh, I don't know. I mean, is it goal of the season, Zach? What do you think? 
when it happened, I said it, it was, but then I remembered Kovacic's goal was literally a few weeks ago. I think Kovacic's goal is more impressive just based purely on technique because he was backpedaling and the ball didn't take a bounce or anything. I mean, he, he, he took it out of the, straight out of the air, lucky backpedaling strike, outside the box. I'd say it was a lucky strike compared to Akeem right. Sanchez, which was like a intense technique. Exactly. Completely it was a intentional. Goal, it was, it was that's a, that is exact. I watched this match with my dad, and that is the first thing that came out of his mat, mouth. He goes, "That's a that's a Xbox goal. That doesn't happen in real life. The way that ball dipped in the very last second is insane." But the, Dude, the then, reason, go ahead. And then, like ten minutes later, not even like five minutes later, he had another shot. Less, that, less. Yeah, it yeah. was like literally like two minutes later, right? <laughs> Right, it was like literally just thing. finished scoring and showing the replay, and there was a deflected shot by Mount. And god damn it, I can't, believe, I'm so mad you resaved that. I mean, that was a good save, but the, that the would have been bold. The shot. Yeah, oh, but yeah, he was on one today. But the, the reason why I would give this the nod over the Kovacic goal is that I truly think that this can be uh, a momentum shift. Kovacic's goal was a moment in time in that Liverpool game. We, we got a result against Liverpool that we didn't expect. I think this is is turning the tide. We've been all down in the dumps. Everything is negative. Everything's negative. You go into the break with a positive. Most of the team isn't even playing matches in this break. I think Pulisic is the only big name that comes to mind that is actually playing football outside of Mendy at the AFCON. So for me, I think this could be the goal of the season for what it'll mean moving forward. Uh... Yeah, I just think technique-wise, man, that Kovacic's goal. You're the Kova crew uh, chairman. Exactly why this means a lot more. So, uh, mm-hmm. okay. I mean, He's to, unbiased, to kind yeah. of like, to kind of back up your point, I guess, then. I mean, I'm not, I don't agree with you, but to add to it. Uh, I think it was, the most important part about it was a celebration and the fact that everybody celebrated and everybody looked genuinely happy when he scored including Lukaku, which I was specifically <laughs> looking for him because everybody was saying, oh, they're chirping as they're walking off the pitch and they don't like each other and they're not friends and blah, blah, blah. And I mean, in reality, how many times a season do we see that on every single team where two players get in like a heated, you know, not necessarily an argument. They're just trying to iron out the wrinkles in their game, which is mm-hmm. something professional footballers do. So it was good to see that Lukaku specifically came over, jumped on top of everybody and joined in on the celebrations. Yeah. And and I just want to say this, you know, I I've, I've I'm guilty of it of calling out Ziyech in the past for you know underperforming and whatnot and rightly so, um, but I will say that Akaki Hakim Ziyech is my favorite player to watch on this team when he's on. Yeah. I think when Ziyech is just feeling it like he was to, on Sunday, there's there's it, it's. It's not Hazard-esque because Hazard was just on a completely other level. But it's similar to that where every time he gets the ball, you have to sort of sit up in your seat because you know he's going to do something with it. And this match was just the perfect example of it. And honestly, guys, I mean, it's not a coincidence. I I think he returns as a, you know, actual right winger and plays like an actual right winger. And we get the best performance out of him. I mean, this is – I think that's Mm -hmm. the way to do it. Yeah, I was I was gonna save that point for for later. I'll actually save it because I know we have a question related to it. So Sam, I'll I'll let you keep 
waxing lyrical on Ziyech's match. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't just the, the scoring. It was, I mean, the shooting. It was also the playmaking, the crossing. Like, Cho really should have put away that header. That was a great ball by him. Um, oh, Cho, in the first minute. Yeah. Cho gets anything on it, it goes in, right? That's yeah, he, he got ahead to it. The header. He, he got ahead to it, but he just it was a terrible. Yeah, it wasn't. Like skid off his forehead. Get some power behind that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that would. But it wasn't just that. It was over and over again. And when Hakeem Ziyech is playing this kind of kind of game, which is something that we should have expect. This is something that we have expected of him since we signed him, and. I don't know if it's due to attitude problems, what, you know, he's just inconsistent, and that's just his nature. I don't know what the deal is with him, but we have a game like this, or he has a game like this once in a blue moon, and it makes you so mad. Like, why can't you do this on a consistent basis? Does everything have to be perfectly tailored around you? Can you make some sort of adjustment in the system to get the best out of your skills and try instead of trying to force your style of play on what we're doing. No, I mean, it, that, that's, that's my big issue with him still, but mm-hmm. he, he, you know, four shots on target, two out of three dribbles completed, two key passes, um, one big chance created somehow had a defensive master master class. So that's when, you know, he's actually trying. Uh, 10 duels won, which was the most on the pitch. Four by a tackles. Long shot, by the way. Yeah, four tackles as well, two clearances. I, That is something that we never expected from him when we signed him. That was not you know, our intention at all. We wanted the offensive side, but if he can do this too, I'm not, get, I'm not getting my hopes up, guys. I really am not, uh, to be completely honest. Like, I'm hoping for it, but probably not going to happen or he's going to play consistently like this um we've got another question this one's from michael conan at m conan 1789 he asks zh played out of his mind today but why can't we get consistently good performances from him is it a system issue a zh issue or was it a matchup advantage today so i kind of answered that just now without realizing it but andreas um you want to give your two cents a little bit? You're muted, by the way. <laughs> That's on me. I want to yeah. say that I do disagree with you a little bit on on the shifting your system for players. I do think that in Tuchel's 3-4-3, we were never going to see a, a 10 out of 10 ZS. And I mentioned a little bit earlier when I was praising the 4141 is that Ziyech isn't fast. And when you're playing centrally, you need to be, you know, a quick little 10 in the style of when Juan Mata was at his prime with us, or, you know, you need to be a little bit more uh, aggressive physically like Mount to, to kind of force your way through center backs. And Ziyech is this sort of slim, uh, you know, more of a flashy kind of guy that that needs the space, uh, sort of how Cesc Fabregas, you don't put him in a position where he doesn't have the time to find a pass. So for me, I think it is a system issue why we haven't seen this, because under Lampard, even when we were not playing well, 
Ziyech was dropping fantastic offensive numbers. And same thing from when he was at Ajax. He was three-time player of the year, back-to-back-to-back years for them with ridiculous numbers when the system was playing to his advantage. And and Zach even touched on it a little bit on his ego. I think right now, when where where we have a team that doesn't have the the talisman, right? We don't have the Eden Hazard, we don't have the the Mo Salah or Vinicius Jr. We don't have that sort of figure that you know is going to be a headache. I think you let Ziyech think that that's him. B- build the system that facilitates his role a little bit, because. A cocky Ziyech where he thinks he's the bee's knees is way more dangerous than one that's tired like in Brighton or forced to play out of position like in Man City, in the Man City match. And you have to let him go to his left foot. But he gets to spam crosses if he has the space. Every time he receives the ball, there's overlapping runs from both Mount and Aspie, which creates the space that he doesn't have to create it for himself. He'll have time to shoot. And, and these diamonds in this 4-1-4-1 allow him to receive the ball to feet. The space is then created by the runs, and then he can take his time to take into the space. So for me, I think go ahead and play a system that allows Ziyech to do these sort of things. And even though we all know that at the end of the day, he's no Eden Hazard, if Ziyech believes he is, we might be able to get six more league goals out of him in in this season, which compared to the beginning of the season, I will take. If he gets anywhere close to 10 and and maybe total of 15 goal contributions because of this, I think that's a huge win compared to forcing him to play in a front three where the moment he receives the ball, he's either facing his own goal or has a center back or fullback on his ass and has no time to do anything with the ball. So for mm-hmm. me, yeah, lean into it. Like, please allow this guy to to do his thing if it's going to unlock someone like Mount, someone like Lukaku, someone like uh, potentially Kai Havertz if he decides to play the eight, someone like Aspie who doesn't have to make as many forward runs because Ziyech will be facilitating that space. I'm all for playing into Ziyech to allow him to have this sort of performance. I think the only way it happens is if he keeps playing. And I think that's like one criticism that I've had of Tuchel from the beginning. If you have any criticism of the guy is that front three has been constantly chopped and changed. And I know it's been done out of necessity with the whole COVID and injury situation at times. But even when we did seem to have options, we would see a different front three match after match after match. And it doesn't allow any of the players to sort of build this cohesiveness or this or even on field relationships. I mean, we talk about, you know, Lukaku's long term injury. I mean, how much did he play with Ziyech before then? Not really much. So it makes sense that when they walk off the pitch during Brighton that they're ironing things out, that they're barking at each other, that Lukaku's saying, hey, why didn't you give me the ball to feet as opposed to playing me through and vice versa. So I think it's just a matter of continuing to play the guy. If he's hot, you keep playing him. We've said this on the podcast thousands of times. But at the same time, like Andres said, the talisman sort of match winning match winner position on this team or match winner title on this team is completely up for grabs. Lukaku hasn't shown us jack shit that says he's the guy to do that, right? At least this season. So if Ziyech could come in, score two consecutive Premier League games um, after having limited opportunities before that, 
let's keep playing him. And maybe Andres, you're right. Maybe he does get the 10 goals. Maybe he does get the 12 goals or even better. We see the best of him in the champions league where he's done his best work to date. And it's not just that Zach, it's not just about his confidence. It's the confidence that his performances instill in Tuchel to keep on playing him. That's, that's gotta be the important part as well. Um, And we talked about this last week. His reaction after the Brighton goal was really weird. It it looked like he was staring at Tuchel, like there was something going on behind the scenes, whatever. Um, he also didn't really celebrate that much after this goal. He just like what? put his arms. He just put his arms up. Yeah, um, like like are you not entertained? I know, like, but no, still, that's a reserve. That's like a reserve. Canada. That's a reserve like celebration. Celebrated like a, you see people. See that, you see people score tappings. No, I know. but Ziyech is that that like okay. So we have Pulisic who goes into a freaking frenzy and starts cussing and and runs at the camera. You have That's Mount sick, that goes yeah. straight to the fans. But then you have Ziyech who just is like, I am the gladiator in the Coliseum <laughs> right now. Look at me. I am the god that you all need to worship and that's, that's not what that's it looked what like last week though oh man to, well okay yeah the brighton match again i i if we can win a couple more games i will fully believe tuchel when he said that the brighton match was the bottom of the barrel in terms of uh, phys, uh fitness and fatigue because that's what he just referenced over and over again post match which if true and this is what happens when players get a break then yeah but the zh celebration to me is more about his ego like every time he celebrates he did the the slicing a throat one time like his go-to is usually that like the are you not entertained so to me that was just badass we also got to remember i mean he's had more frustration outside of chelsea too he's been frozen out of his national team he's not at afcon or he didn't go to afcon with them i mean thank god he didn't He's clearly, the, I know, right? But he's clearly their best player. And I'm sure he's not happy about that situation either because who doesn't like playing for your national team? Um, but he, he's playing like that guy now. He's playing pissed off and he's playing angry. And we just need to keep seeing that, man. It, it's nice that we have a Rudiger in the back line, but we need a similar personality like that up front. That fuck you, I'm going to get mine. And Ziyech has that. And and right now he's just giving Tuchel no excuse to drop him because, Sam, you read out his defensive stats. He was the best defender on the pitch and the best attacker on the pitch in this game. So there is absolutely no reason to drop the guy. And right now, yes, he is our best player, Um, you know, based on what we saw against Tottenham. He was the best player on the pitch. And I think the the man of the match poll that we posted on Twitter backed that up too. A couple shouts for Thiago Silva and rightly so. But I mean, more power to him, man. This is the Ziyech we fucking paid for. It's about time. Yeah, is it is it too late for me to cash in on him being the most uh, impactful transfer of that window? <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Thiago Silva was the same window. I know. Ben I was Chilwell. saying like whenever we did that podcast years ago. Now, Tom oh, Tom yeah. won the initial one because he said Chilwell, and that year Chilwell was our starting left back. You know, it was crazy, and Ziyech still hadn't kind of had a full year of of success, and then Tuchel came and all that. So. Is it is it too late to cash it in now when when he's heating no, up? No, because it's still Ben Chilwell. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> it's still Ben Chilwell, even with a torn ACL. Um, but yeah, the still... the results there was yeah the, the results of the pod. Uh, I mean of the poll. Uh, twenty six votes total, ninety two percent to Ziyech, 
then a couple sprinkled in for Thiago Silva and Rudiger. Uh, but it was pretty clear. Ziyech was the man of the match. Uh, you mean you mean 26,000? Oh, yeah, that's what I meant. 26,000 votes. <laughs> oh, from our 1,000 Joke, followers. Jokes aside, jokes aside, when we do, do a next poll, let's see if we can get up to 50. We know we get more than 50 listeners. Let's see if we can get 50 yeah, votes on the poll. Right, come on. Around. I, to- yeah, I, specifically, I specifically instructed the listeners to retweet our poll. And how many do we get? One from... Us, we we're the, we are our own retweet, <laughs> our only retweet. <laughs> I the retweeted Roman's the tweet. will not be returning next week we're, because we the grind don't stop. Like our fans are fake, man. Uh, All of our listeners are stop, fake. We're, we're we're pushing P. We are pushing P. Um, do you know who's not I pushing P polls. right now? Uh, polls. Is that that what P stands for? Polls. Yeah, in this case, it does. <laughs> um, you know who's not pushing P right now? Lukaku. He's not pushing mm-hmm. P. Um, it, it's going to take so much for me to forgive him, I think, at this point. And he's just not playing that well. Like, his hold to play was a little bit better. wasn't great. Zach, you mentioned earlier, we were trying to serve him, like, a lot this year. I mean, this match. And, you know, we played him the ball earlier in our buildup to get him involved. Every time the winger got, a, got out wide, they're looking for him. Um, but he only finished with two shots, one on target, although those they were good quality shots. 28 touches, 13 passes completed, 3 out of 7 aerials won, which was better than what he did against City. Um, but Zach, where do you stand with his performance? Again, just to kind of wrap up my point from earlier, I mean, it was better, but still not great. You know, I saw a lot of praise for him on Twitter and like, that's cool and all. I'm glad that there's fans out there that are glass half full and fans out there that are still willing to, you know, fully back him. That's fine. That's up to you. But I need to see it on the pitch like you, Sam. Um, we said he got more involved, but then he only got 28 touches. So it was only marginal. You know, the differences weren't um, match changing or the, he, he wasn't a match winner for us. And, and I think he needs to be, especially in this kind of game where we're playing our rival and in a game where he's going up against a center forward. That's often been compared to him ability wise, goal scoring wise. I mean, just everything. I mean, you look at the top three strikers in the world. Some people put Harry Kane there and you're going to Lukaku needs to one up him. And I just, I didn't really see that. I think the 13 passes completed is, is, is kind of depressing. Um, I saw, I also saw a stat that said he lost the ball 10 times. So, I mean, he touched it 28 times and lost it, you know, a third of the time he got the ball. So, it, it still needs to be more efficient. It still needs to be cleaned up a little bit. I think with the new system, it did kind of make things – it made things easier for him on one hand, but it also made things a little bit more difficult because now you know he's anticipating players arriving in positions at different times. So I think he needs to iron those wrinkles out. But like you guys, I am I need to see hat tricks on hat tricks. I need to see 20-plus goal seasons. I need to see – you know, match winners. I need to see him putting center backs on their asses. I mean, he needs to be checking all of those boxes in order for me to fully, you know, not necessarily back him, but forgive him for that bullshit he put us through. Yeah. Um, he's not getting 20 this year. I think that's the bottom line. He's not getting 20 this year. That's for sure. No, no, no. I'm saying, I'm saying, you know, he just needs to get in that kind of vein of form where he's scoring every match or every other match, you know, we need you to kill the lower, the bottom of of the table teams, not just 
you know, jog out there for 90 minutes. We yeah. need you to impact the game against Spurs, not lose the ball 10 times and only pass it 13 times in 90 minutes or damn near 90 minutes. It still needs to be better. Yeah, I, I agree. It has to be better. I, th- I do think it was better than Brighton and probably his best outing since the interview situation. There was the chance where he completely whiffed on a Mason Mount cross early in the first half that would have completely changed this narrative. And then in the second half, he did spin. Oh man, who was it? It wasn't Dyer. It was either Tanganga or Sanchez to his left foot rocket shot, but a striker out of form hits Yuriza's hands. That's the issue there. It was a rocket of a shot. He earned it well, but no finish there. Uh, he was in the right place for the cross from Mason Mount on the Thiago Silva goal. So, again, he could have cleaned it up if Thiago Silva didn't. I just think that, yeah, he missed the ball 10 times, but he stayed central. He didn't try to just outpace players. He was letting go of the ball, moving into space again. I think, again, we're, we're, we're chopping and changing formations yet again. So, last week he was playing with a partner. Now he's a lone striker. I'll give him in performance wise, like C plus B minus at best. But at the end of the day, he does have to be dropping 10 out of 10s because of what he did. And because of the, this basically the whole interview situation, what did during our bad run of form. So yeah. Was it good? Meh. Could it be better? 100%. I think that, that whiffing that cross was the big, kind of downfall to what could have been a good performance. Cho also, like I said earlier, he, uh, he lift on that good cross as well, but it was nice seeing him play more of a traditional left wing role, as opposed to what I thought he would play as striker. Um, he did, uh, complete three out of five dribbles. And I think that was the most dribbles completed, uh, for any player, uh, 93% pass accuracy, won eight duels, had the assist. Um, uh, he ruined Tonganga with that spin to uh, assist Ziyech for the worldie. And uh, he, had, he almost had a, another one with a nice ball that he played to Mason Mount. Uh, Mason Mount like played him like cross, cross the whole field with a, a nice ball, and uh, he got it right back and shot it outside of the box, but... I thought Cho probably played his best match in a while. And I think that is mostly due to him playing in his natural position, um, not being asked to do too much on the defensive end, um, you know, as, as the, as the wing back. And uh, I think Chelsea fans seem to be split about his performance. Um, we did get a t- tweet from at Wilson for USA Cho. Wait, no, it's just, <laughs> at wilson for usa right cho is uh yeah yeah, not yeah. A part of his name didn't put a space there cho is looking great on the left side so he agrees with me um andreas what did you see from cho i'm uh on ron's side here for the first half and then i'm on wilson's side for the second half so ron also brought in his opinion he said maybe i'm in the minority here but cho looked way too passive in the first half, I thought Cho played one of the worst 45 minutes he ever had. And then I don't know who spoke to him at halftime, but he came back and I guess somebody reminded him that Tanganga had a yellow card and he decided 
to actually take people on. Uh, essentially, he played, what is that, 90 plus 45, 135 minutes of straight football where Cho had decided that he doesn't know how to dribble past players anymore and he was only going to pass backwards to then going back to the promising winger who has immense dribbling ability and can terrorize the wing. So it it's a young player's performance. It wasn't a complete performance. It was a very much I grew into the match sort of game for him. And and it just just comes to to fans again, like don't expect Cho to be a clinical finisher. It's just not in his arsenal. But if he's gonna facilitate for everybody else with his dribbling, then he's doing something for the team. Yeah, I like you guys. I, I agree. I, he was actually one of the most frustrating watches in the first half. Um, I, there was one play specifically where he got the ball right in between the eighteen and the penalty area and the and the uh, six yard box, and uh, and he passed it backwards. He had his man one v one. He could have just you know <laughs> jinked to the left or the right and had a pop at goal, or spray it across the face of goal and. Instead, he passed it all the way back to, I think it was even Tiago Silva. I think he just sprayed it all the way back. So just to describe, most... sorry, just to describe to our listeners, when Zach described, was started to describe that, Andreas just went full face palm with that. Yeah. <laughs> you know exactly, <laughs> exactly what, what I'm talking about. Yeah, too. exactly. I forgot for, about that play for just a second and then it reminded me, the ball lands on his, basically right on a, inside the box. And instead of, shimmying away from the defender he just stares at the defender for three seconds and then like okay i need to pass it back i was like no <sighs> hazard scored a goal against brighton where he got a cross in and he literally it, he even like his first touch wasn't even that great but he took a one touch and then a second touch to get it out of his from out from under him and bang and, and that's what you need to do in that situation even if it gets blocked you have no reason not to look back at your coach and say that was the best you know, that was the best option. I mean, like, come on. That's what you're supposed to do in that situation. Even if it gets blocked, if he misses, Tuchel's not going to yell at him for being aggressive and having a pop-at goal inside the box. I don't think any manager is unless it's Jose Mourinho. But, like, I, I don't know. It, for me, it seems like he needs to be coached up throughout the match in order to get the best out of him. It just can't necessarily happen from right off the bat. And... I don't know, guys. I I was looking at the squad and all of these other players that are going to be called for international duty, and Cho's not. Cho's going to be getting that rest that he needs. And Tuchel spoke about it post match and said that he was really happy with his effort and you know the the way he played this game. And I know I didn't list it here on the script, but defensively he was also really good too, um, which is I why I think a lot of people highlighted his performance specifically. But just looking at the international picture and the players coming back. It's. It, I think it's a shoe in that Cho is going to start because he's going to have the most stretch. He's going to be the freshest. And Tuchel seems to have this undying commitment to get something out of him. Um, so I, I, you know, at Pulisic's detriment, unfortunately. But yeah, yeah. The, you mentioned his defensive numbers: eight duels, one. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, yeah. I, again, I think they played more of a midfield role, but the fact remains that are two wingers who may not have the best defensive work rate. We're leading those defensive numbers. So again, props that's to, so surprising to, to me. I honestly didn't catch that. Um, I didn't catch Ziyech's either. Like if it weren't for the looking at the numbers after the game, I would, I would have had no idea to be honest. I'll go real X's and O's on it again. I mean, I think the, the formation just causes these 
diamonds of pressure on the outsides of the pitch where if it was Bergvine or Son that got the ball, they are immediately surrounded by a diamond of Kovacic, Cho, Jorginho, and Malangsar. Or in the opposite side, it was Aspie, Jorginho, Mount, and Ziyech. So it just, it felt like as soon as they we lost the ball, a diamond collapsed on the Spurs players. So you don't have to be the best defender. You just have to be ready to work to even get in the right place. And and you'll be doing the right thing. I mean that's that that's like Tuchel's thing, right? I, I think we've played our best football when we when we've shown an ability to close down the spaces really quick, and that's exactly what we did today. And I think that's the genius of the four-one-four run is because you have the two, you know, you, you have the two quote-unquote runners in front of Jorginho and Kovacic and Mount who are easily behind Conte, our you know hardest workers on the pitch, and then you got Jorginho sitting in and. As as for as much physical inability as he has in terms of speed and lateral movement, he is like he's very similar to Thiago Silva in the sense that he's reading what's going to happen five or six passes before it happens. He had one tackle specifically in this game where he timed his slide tackle perfectly, and I like I I even got hyped off of it. I mean, but but I'm a center back, I get hyped off of that kind of shit. But you know, it, it just seems to we talk about the system suiting players and. I know it's not the perfect system for Jorginho because most people would probably have him in a traditional 4-3-3, but this is another another player that's going to benefit off of this. I mean, you know, he's going to have the protection in front of him. He's going to have the options out wide to play the ball to, and he's still going to be allowed to do what he does best in terms of being that metronome without necessarily exposing his defensive frailties. Because I think the 3-4-3, especially in the beginning, we were shitting on it because Jorginho was being exposed. And with this... Yeah. As long as you have two runners in front of him, you're never going to have that issue. And it just kind of puts the whole game together for us. And I don't know, man. I I know I like the 4 2 2 2 2 2 whatever it's called. Um, but this looked the most cohesive. And this, yeah. all, when you look at our options on the bench, this was the formation where you had like-for-like like substitutions. You know, right. you want to bring someone in for Lukaku, you bring Kai Havertz. You want to bring in a midfielder, you bring in Saul or Conte. You want to bring in a winger, you have Pulisic. You could throw Werner out there if you really want to. Right, and, and that's what I was going to get at too. The the options fit, like you said, that Lukaku needs a break. Werner can can run in this formation and just be a menace in behind the whole time. He doesn't have to be a target man for this to work. And you talk about someone like Kai. He can play central potentially in one of the Kovacic or, or Mount role in a more offensive one if if we need to. Uh, Jorginho, if he needs a break, Kovacic could be there. The The beauty of this was not only did we win the ball immediately from pressure, and again, it was just fun to watch this with my dad who's used to the Bundesliga and his Bayern destroying everyone. He was saying it was so easy, so easy for this Chelsea team to essentially build out of Tottenham's pressure because they were trying to press. Jorginho would get the ball and he immediately had Malangsar as a backwards option, Thiago Silva as a backwards option. Cho and Ziyech would would kind of just chill wide and Mount and Kovacic would make these forward runs that would pull midfielders back to create other easy passing lanes. It's just so much of the movement is was so good to watch and I've been specifically shitting on the fact that I don't feel there's a a pre-planned identity of how we get the ball moving or how we attack, but I finally felt that in this game we did. We I expected Kovacic and Mount to make overlapping runs. I expected our 
our mid, outside mids slash wingers to receive the ball to feet most of the time. And I expected the build out to go center back, outside back, center mid, outside mid. There was patterns of play. You didn't have to go through them every single time, but at least we knew that there was instructions that the players were willing to, to follow to break down the Spurs defense. And, and I think that these can also translate to a team that decides to sit back and, and, and park the bus versus press. I, I was just very pleased. And again, I know this all started with talking about Cho's good second half, but again, I, I could talk about most players in this system and how well they all fit. So, damn, you, you guys are getting me so hyped up about this formation, and all I can think about is I can't wait to see how it works in the next match, whether it's gonna look the same way or whether it's, it's you know we're gonna see the end of it. <laughs> this goddamn international break couldn't have come at a worse time. Now we have to wait another two plus weeks in order to see it again, like. Just as we think, and this is just what we think, uh, that we may have found our new system that we can play with Reese James and Ben Chilwell both out. Because with them in, obviously the 3 4 is our best system because they're our most important players in that. Now without them, if this 4-1-4-1 is the answer to fixing our woes with the hole that they left... Oh, man, this international break could not have come at a worse time. If anything, it makes me more excited to see Chilwell and Reese James come back because some of those runs that Aspie was making on the right side, Malongstar wasn't making any runs. Let's just get that out of the way. They're not fullbacks. That's not his job. I know. So Aspie was the one making the runs on our side. I mean, imagine Reese James being in some of those positions for service. And now if you have an informed Ziyech who cuts inside and kills you with his left, and you have an informed Reese James who just has you know, almost perfect service on the right, you have them both on the same side. Now you have oh. that threat that can cut in and kill you. Now you have that threat on the outside that could kill you. Throw Chilwell on the left-hand Bro, side. Bro, you're now giving me chills. Your left back could start Dude, I, forward. I invite you to look at our podcast. I believe it was like October of Lampard's second season when we were just talking about this. Ziyech cutting in, Reese making the overlapping run on the right, and you still have Mason Mount somewhere getting open in the middle. It just – I don't think – I honestly would not mind staying in this formation long term. I, I get it. In the 3-4-3, we had the best two wingbacks in the world, but they could be the best fullbacks in the world in this formation. I really think so. All right. So We're sticking through. We're, we're, we're officially claiming to be a pro 4141 podcast, okay? We're all pledging Hot allegiance. Hot take or not, dude. The flag is planted. Yeah. Sorry for everybody flag. that wanted to see Ziyech at right wing back. <laughs> <laughs> or the, Cho. The, the podcast is going back. through a rebrand. We are officially Tuchel's 4141 Empire. Yep. There we go. We're changing our name. I'm filing the paperwork right now. <laughs> um, You know... If someone didn't watch Chelsea and listen to just this episode in isolation, they would think that we're running away with the league. <laughs> not just like 13 points not, back, not just trying to stay afloat until the international break so we could get some rest. But, anyways, I mean, it is the international break, and the players, some of them, like Cho, are getting rest. Some others are on international duty and putting in work. Um, but we will be putting out another episode, don't worry. Uh, so make sure you guys are keeping your eyes open for that. Um, and I think we play Plymouth when we come back. So we will also be talking uh, briefly about the Plymouth match. Um, with all due respect to Plymouth, um, I think we all expect that one to be a bare-bottom spanking. So until that podcast, keep the blue flag flying high.